Support for this podcast comes from AppCast. You may have heard of AppCast. They've been the global leader in programmatic job advertising for the last 10 years. But now, there's so much more. Following their acquisition of Bayard, they now offer a whole suite of recruitment marketing solutions. Still driven by their industry-leading tech, data-driven approach and world-class team of experts. Need to fill a funnel of qualified applicants? Head to appcast.io to learn more. That's appcast.io. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 579 of the Recruiting Future podcast. In episode 573, we explored the power of employee value propositions. I want to follow that up by having a similar conversation about employer branding. As companies reinvent their employee experience post-pandemic or look to rebuild their reputation post-layoffs, employer branding has never been more critical particularly for employers recruiting in challenging talent markets. Definitions are fundamental here, because in the same way that developing an EVP isn't employer branding, employer branding isn't recruitment marketing. My guest this week is John Tarrant, Managing Partner at DNA. DNA is a UK-based employer branding agency with an impressive client list and vast experience in helping employers develop employer brands that are compelling, distinctive, and drive tangible value for the organisation. Hi, John, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. And it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Please, could you introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Hi, everyone. Uh, My name's John Tarrant. I'm the founder and managing partner of a company called DNA based in Bristol, we're thought and practice leaders, both in helping clients define their EVP and employer brand, and then enabling them to operationalize it right across the employee lifecycle. So uh, we help clients find, keep and engage the talent they need to make their business successful. Uh, it usually starts with a cry for help. So if it's find, you know, the cries for help we get are, oh, I've got a great story to tell and we're just not telling it, or no one knows who we are and the only ones that do know the bad stuff, or... We're spending a fortune on a cost per hire. Uh, we need a direct model to get it down. Uh, so that's the find. If it's the keep and engage bit, it's normally a cry for help around attrition, particularly early attrition or EMPS scores or lack of cohesion and consistency across the organization. So yeah, that's what we do. It's EVPs and employer brands implemented and operationalized. Uh, and we love a cheesy phrase, Matt, at DNA. So what we do is we increase the quality, decrease the cost and ensure a legacy of improvement. So, you know, you've obviously been working in this space for a long time. You've kind of seen kind of lots of things in terms of, you know, economic cycles and all that sort of stuff. But we have gone through a very strange time in the last few years. What are you seeing with your clients at the moment in terms of the challenges that they have in the talent market? So the sort of challenges we're seeing at the moment, I guess, you know, number one, there are still more good jobs than there are people to do them. Employers have to work really hard uh, if they're going to ensure that they're offer is distinct, so uniquely them in a crowded marketplace. If it's authentic, that you know what they're selling on the outside and the inside matches the true reality. 
Um, and they've got to work hard to make it compelling. You know, their EVP, their employer brand, their talent strategy is going to have to work hard for them day after day. So, you know, number one, there's more good jobs than there are people to do them. Uh, I think number two, uh, certainly what we've seen this year in 2023 is lots of clients as they are planning for 24 and beyond their business plans are predicated on what we've described as fewer better people so um, we're focusing more on quality of hire within their business plan you know they want to keep growing the top line they want to grow their revenues they want to grow their profits but they're probably going to do that with comparatively fewer people so they've got to make sure that the opportunity cost of not having the right people in the on the right seat at the right time is too great for their business so our job as their sort of trusted partner is not just to hire people uh, who are going to be there on day one. Our job is to hire people who are going to be there on day one of year two and day one of year three so that they you know, they are hiring people who will thrive in their environment and succeed and stay. And the quality of hire thing, you know, when we set objectives for clients, this year feels like it's been a year of a success in role. So when we're hiring clients, uh, when we're helping clients hire salespeople, we're focusing on that success in role KPI. So again, we're not getting people who are just there on day one, who last year or the year before would have got the tills ringing, start hitting their targets in three months or six months. The focus on quality of hire and success in role is making sure we're hiring people who are getting the tills ringing within six weeks. So success in role is key. I think, you know, the old, the old talent market used to be sort of shades of grey, Matt, where, you know, everybody broadly did okay. But we're seeing uh, we're seeing more black and white where the winners are really winning and maybe some of the losers are struggling a little bit. Um, some of the losers have maybe missed a trick on candidate experience where, you know, c- candidates know their worth. They're expecting a genuine experience. They're not just expected to be processed by an ATS. Uh, since COVID, candidates feel, you know, they, they, they feel that they're entitled to greater communication, which they are. Um, they'll respond well to a quicker process. Uh, they'll respond well to an engaging process. They have much higher expectations uh, around ESG and diversity, and they don't want just words that, you know, they want proof. We've been approached by a couple of organizations. One, uh, one is a chemical polluter, uh, I guess you'd describe it. Another one is an arms manufacturer saying, it's not that we can't, it's not that we're not punching our weight in our early years recruitment. We, we're not getting anything, we're not getting quantity or quality or anything. Um, and that's because the early years talent are voting with their feet and they're only going to apply to people who, who match their values. So, you know, the early years market in the same way, the talent market is evolving all the time, is continuing to evolve. Uh, I think one of the challenges in early years, you know, our, our friends at Connector shared some stats with me the other day that uh, rejected offers uh, and uh, did not start, we call them DNSs, for grads are running at 26%. So that's a huge amount of effort if you're only going to get 74% of people who've gone all the way through that process so actually rock up on day one. So, yeah, I mean, there's lots of challenges. I guess one of the other ones that maybe frustrates us uh, and lots of our uh, talent partners who we talk to on a daily basis is the lack of metrics. You know, you can't improve what you don't accurately measure, whether it's cost per hire, time to hire, the cost source and outcome of every candidate, um, how many go through first interview, second interview, offered, accepted, turn up on day one, are still there in month three and month 12. You know, frankly, if they applied that same process to how they engage their customers, they'd never sell another thing. But it's okay. I mean, the joy the joy of our job is that the flip side of those challenges 
you know, are the opportunities, uh, and there are loads. So the, I mentioned candid experience, you know, from, from a recruiter's point of view, you don't need a big budget to deliver an exceptional candid experience. You can be flexible, you can be agile. There's a stat, it's the wrong number, but it's something like 74% of buying decisions are based on emotion, not logic. So it's how do you want those candidates to feel? Because that's going to get them to yes, more importantly than just processing them. You're always going to reject more people than you hire. So, yes, you can make that a branded process. You can build a great talent pool off it. You can use that talent pool for referrals. You can make all of them a fan before they become an employee. And for our, you know, f- for a number of clients, where all their potential employees are existing or potential customers. That's really important. So, yes, you know, there are lots of challenges, but there are opportunities everywhere. Yeah, I think that's interesting. And there's it, it, a combination there of things that are peculiar to the last few years and things that have just been an issue for, for, for an eternity and particularly the bit about the data it's just a it's, a it's a real shame that that hasn't been fixed quicker um i think also a lot of things there really underline why employer brand is so important so i wanted to kind of dive into employer branding for, for sort of the rest of the, the the conversation and what i've noticed is with the kind of explosion of interest in em- employer brand employer brand work over the last few years there are you know there are lots of there's lots of jargon there's lots of phrases and everyone seems to have different definitions about employer brand talent brand employee value proposition so you know give us your definition what's your definition of the say the difference between an employer brand and employ an employer value proposition okay it's a really good point before we go on the journey with any clients you know we, we have the same conversation about you know look it's really important to be clear you know number one on your definitions uh, so we so that's sort of rooted at the start of the whole process, which is re- you know really important if you're going to have a successful process. It's also really you know it's really important for stakeholder engagement within those organisations. Um, so really clear on your definitions, and also really clear on what the EVP and the employer brand has got to deliver for the business, deliver for the bottom line, deliver for the people, deliver for the customer, so that everything you do is a means to an end, not an end in itself. So setting those objectives and recognising. It's not a vanity project uh, are absolutely key. From an EVP point of view, uh, you're right, it has morphed a little bit. You know, it used to be all about the promise, you know, come on in, everyone, the water's lovely. Whoever you are, you know, if you've got a pulse, we'll probably have you. That's changed, that changed the give and get. So it was come on in, everyone, the water's lovely. You know, we can offer you this, this, and this. Isn't that great? However, in return, what we need to get from you is this, this, and this. And if you can't bring those things, then nicely, there's a job for you somewhere, but it's not with us and all bets are off. Since COVID, actually, it's probably changed again and it's matured to, you know, good, good EVP and good employer branding is, is good for business. So it's matured into something more solid. So we define an EVP as a statement of intent as to what you stand for as an employer and how you want to be known in the markets and audiences that matter to you. That's it, is that statement of intent bit. And then as far as the employer brand is concerned, you know, employer branding is your strategy to appeal to current and future talent. We always put the current bit first. People often forget, you know, people often forget to look inside, but it's your strategy to appeal to current and future talent. The simplest definition of a brand is brand equals identity plus reputation. And you build your reputation or you, you know, frankly, you earn your reputation every day through repetition and consistency uh, and through evidence. And has that, you know, you kind of mentioned that there's been a lot of change in employer brand and things like that. How have things changed since the pandemic and why is it so important now to focus on it? Well, funny, bizarrely, I had a conversation with a marketing director at a client a couple of weeks ago. 
who told me there's no such thing as employer branding uh, and was absolutely adamant, which was a bit odd because when I Googled it this morning, I got 426 million results. So <laughs> that was it. That was a strange one. But since the pandemic, it you know, yes, it's changed. I think in terms of that current and future talent, you know, in terms of employees' expectations, it's changed. They they expect a voice and they expect that voice to be heard. So when we're delivering that brand to employees who frankly have got to buy it every day, and they're the ones who deliver on the on the promises you make to customers, they're the ones who uh, you know, frankly, we've got a choice. They, it can either be transactional employment where we turn up and we pay them, but that's as far as the love goes, or they could fizz into work every day, bring that talent back to your organization week after week, full of those intrinsic motivators to do the right thing. But they're only going to do that if, they've got, if they're trusted, if they've got an element of flexibility, if they've got a voice, and if, if their goals align with your, uh, with your goals and your purpose. One of the things we've seen is that people seek meaning in their work now more than ever, they recognize they spend a lot of time at work and they want to spend it with people they want to spend it with doing something purposeful. So a lot of organizations since, you know, since the pandemic have had to sort of stop and pause and press reset. You know, they say to us, you know, God, we knew what we were going into COVID, but now, you know, we're hybrid or now, you know, we're, we're, we're working in a more flexible way and the market's moved on and, you know, we, we've adjusted in, in, in a number of other ways. I'm not quite sure who we are and what we stand for anymore. So, They've had to sort of stop and pause and press reset. I think um, from a from, from a, an applying your internal your, your employer brand internally, uh, organisations have had to work harder because you know yes we've got hybrid working, you know we've got people who who joined during COVID who, who basically didn't meet anybody else for some significant time, even the ones who were there before during and after, you know this thing about the thinning of work relationships is very real across lots of different organisations so. So, you know, there are lots of challenges uh, to overcome as far as employer branding since COVID. But I think, you know, probably two things. One is this thing about pressing reset. I knew what we were going into COVID, but I'm now, you know, we now need to stop and pause, have that sort of watershed moment so that we recognise what's got us to here isn't going to get us to where we need to get to. But again, there's loads of, loads of opportunities. So we've got a tech client where uh, we really maximise the working from anywhere opportunities for them. So, rather than always having to rely on hiring people from within the M25. I spoke to one of the line managers, his last two hires, one one was from Moldova and the other one was from somewhere in Pennsylvania. I'm never going to meet them, but they're fabulous and they're part of the team. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. And I think that you mentioned there that, that companies are having to redefine what they are in terms of talent because businesses have changed and also as you say, work has changed as well, and people's expectations have changed. I suppose if you add all that together, then put in, add to that the, the issue about reputation. You know, as you say, there's a generation coming into the workforce who are very strong on matching values in terms of who they work for. There's also lots of employers who've been through layoffs, have had lots of things that have kind of ne- negatively impacted their reputation as an employer. So I think that, you know, a lot of people listening will fall into one or maybe even all of those categories. So what should employers be doing to rescue their employer brand to do that reset and that rebuild? It, stop and pause, I think is the first bit. Recognize that, you know, look, Honestly, inwardly, and you know, recognize that bit about what's got us to here isn't going to get us to where we need to. If it's good business, if it's good for the bottom line, it's good for the people, it's good for the customer, then it needs a clear plan around it. And although you know, it's, as an organisation, we we've, we've used beautiful creative work, uh, beautiful digital work, 
beautiful everything. It's underpinned by really boring things like structure, discipline, process, great project management, setting really clear objectives. So it's about having a clear process. And it's also, I would say this, obviously, it's, it's also about selecting the right partner. There's, there's a lot of really good employer brand and EVP agencies out there, but you know, frankly, our biggest competitor isn't them. It's customers either doing nothing or doing it themselves. And that's the bit we've got to fix. So it's about having, you know, it's about having a really clear plan. Before you do anything, you set objectives. Means to an end, not an end in itself. What's this got to do for us? What's it got to do in terms of cost per hire, time to hire, diversity, success in role, building our reputation, and then and every client is different, every situation is different, but there will be a set of KPIs which will increase the quality, decrease the cost, and ensure legacy of improvement. Then it's about proper discovery. So everything we do going forward, if it's good business, it has to be based on a foundation of fact. So that discovery has got to be rigorous. And then when you're developing your EVP and your employer brand, you know we're a flexible, really amenable bunch of DNA, but our non-negotiables are as if, we, if we're developing an EVP and employer brand for you, it's got to be distinct, it's got to be uniquely you, it's got to be authentic, and it's got to be compelling. We're not going to compromise in any one of those things. Otherwise, we're not going to deliver on the objectives we set out at the start. So it's very doable. You know, it's about planning carefully, executing with flair and measuring everything. It's now illegal in 2023 to have any kind of podcast without talking about technology and AI. So so um, it's probably a good time to ask you about that. It's been a very interesting year in terms of leap forwards in, in technology and artificial intelligence. What are you seeing that the impact of that in things like employer branding and employer branding projects and the way that employers are thinking? There are a lot more frustrated employers out there uh, who either chose the wrong technology, can't implement it cohesively, uh, then there are happy ones. I think the opportunity, you know, we talked about challenges and opportunities. You know, there are opportunities there to speed up the process because we know that speed of process is key, you know, particularly for the, you know, for, for the younger end of the workforce, speed of process is key. But, you know, yes, that, you know, yes, there's opportunities on speed, but the gaps in reporting and the gaps in implementation and the inability to deliver a cohesive candidate experience. Uh, you know, add to that frustration every day. When, when you look at technology, it should be able to, uh, it should be able to make life easier. It should be able to enable uh, a better way of working. It should be something that facilitates the right candidate experience and help them to achieve their goals. And the problem, you know, the buyer beware problem is that lots of the technology that we see implemented in organizations or that organizations are, you know, are about to buy doesn't do that. You know, there's all you know, every day while we've been on this podcast, there'll be a bright, new, shiny something that's come on the market with, you know, great marketing and very well backed, you know, probably come out of somewhere in California. And, uh, you know, the buyer beware thing is, is are, are you expressing your need in the form of a solution that you think the technology is just going to solve it? Or have you really got to the bottom of what it is that you actually need to do and deliver? So there's great opportunities in technology, but the number of clients we talk to where, yeah, the ATS is all right, but it doesn't quite do what we want it to. You know, we've got an HR information system and we'd, we'd probably give it six out of 10 on a good day. I've got no clue as to how we get the four out of 10 we haven't got yet, but it is what it is. Yeah, I think that's a, a you know, an excellent point. And it comes back to the issues around strategy and strategy and data. And the technology is now amazing, but it's never going to work if you don't have that that strategy in place first. We were asked to go and talk to a board who are having problems around internal comms 
you know, national organization, salespeople all over the country, two or three chunky offices in different locations. You know, there wasn't one version of the truth. The rumor mill was rife. Uh, they, they, it was a, you know, the, 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 the company, the HR team and the C-suite just didn't own the comms narrative, which was, which was the vacuum that they were needing to fill. So we were trying to dig under the skin as to what a potential uh, comms and engagement solution might look like. And it transpired they already had three intranets that weren't used, plus, <laughs> Yama plus something else. Yeah, exactly. We were talking about a bonfire of all of the technology they had, which was just weird. <laughs> it was a bizarre. You know, those discussions when you go back and get in the car, I think, what just happened? It was one of those. What we need is we need one, we need another system to rule them all, to unify all the other ones. So as, as a last question, sort of focusing on the, on the future, we've seen a lot of change in employer brand in the, in the last few years. You've really highlighted a lot of the issues that, that still exist. What's next? Where do you think we're going in two, three, five years time? Future of employer branding is really strong. When we talk to clients, they, you know, they go, look at our technology platform. It's very secure. Look at our product offer today and our product and service offer to come. That's really strong. Look at our overall brand equity. That's strong. Look at our cash position. It's really strong. Uh, we're really well backed. We're really well led. But the bit where we have risk is in our people agenda, because if we can't nail the people agenda, you know, maybe all bets on all of those other elements of our brand equity are going to be compromised. So the people agenda is always going to be key. And I don't see that changing anytime soon, whether that's locally in the UK uh, or globally, you know, we've got clients all across the world. I, they're all singing the same song as far as that's concerned. I think employer branding is still growing up and developing. People are recognizing that it's good business and it enables good, positive business change. So again, I feel very positive about that. I think that when you look at that maturing of employer branding as good business uh, and enabler of good business change, um, you can prove ROI with you know, whether it's success in role or cutting costs per hire or time to hire or, you know, whatever that might be, employer branding is able to prove that it creates value uh, for an organization and is not a vanity exercise. You know, if I, if I think of the work that DNA, you know, I'm sure other agencies have done, we put millions, you know, an employer brand will make you money and save you money. And we can prove transparently where we put millions onto a bottom line, you know, not, not a tenant here or there, but millions on a bottom line. And I think people will recognize the value that employer brand can add as far as that's concerned. And, the, you know, the thing always evolves. So, you know, I think the other great thing about employer branding, you know, when we talked about challenges and opportunities, uh, there, there, are, uh, there are ways to create competitive advantage, whoever you are, wherever you are, and potentially do it quite quickly. So whether that's, oh, I don't know, building a reputation upstream to then earn the right to have a recruitment conversation and using and understanding social media in the right way to do that, is a great opportunity and that moves that shifts the dialogue and the conversation with your talent market quite quickly 2023 we've seen a huge huge rise in employee advocacy where you know you help you help the client use their existing employees as the most articulate uh, and authentic advocates of the employment experience raises a profile builds their employer reputation uh, builds talent pools penetrates hard to reach talent pools build pride and purpose in, in within the existing organization so uh, employer branding isn't just recruitment advertising in old money as lots of people recognize it you know they now see it as something essential that that's effectively the golden thread all the way through that employment experience from you know your first contact with someone as a remote stranger all the way through 
the selection process, induction, onboarding, the employment experience, all the way through to uh, how they exit all the, the organization uh, and how you treat them as alumni. That's a branded experience. And every touch point is an engagement opportunity. So I think, you know, if you're going to describe uh, employer branding, it might be employer branding is getting through that awkward adolescent phase. And now people are realizing that actually it's not recruitment advertising and it's not about some clever campaign themes. This is actually really good business that will could be the golden thread all the way through our business that makes it different and special to work here and why people will fizz into work eager to make a difference every Monday. John. Thank you very much for talking to me. My thanks to John. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter, Recruiting Future Feast and get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time, and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.